1: yoo running crew, welcome to Dancing is Forbidden and Aqua Teen Hunger Force Exploration. I am Ronnie, and on this podcast, I am watching through and talking about every Aqua Teen episode, one episode at a time, and the episode we are watching through and talking about this week is Season 2, Episode 10 super trivia yes oh god yes super trivia airing september 21st 2003 and this is the final in our lineup of super episodes so every episode we've covered so far in season two has started with the word super except for the meat zone which this episode was supposed to air before the meat zone it got pushed back a week Why, I'm not exactly sure. I couldn't find out. As I said in the Meat Zone episode, I assumed it probably had something to do with Family Guy or something else Seth MacFarlane was doing. They wanted to time it alongside that, but when I look at this lineup of episodes, it doesn't really seem to be the case. So I have no idea why this was pushed back, why it wasn't aired with all the other super episodes, but hey, this is it, the final super episode, and it is a fun one. I remember liking this one a lot as a kid, and we'll see if it still holds up. But of course, before we get to that, we've got some other stuff to talk about, and we have some real unfortunate news this week. I'd rather have no news at all, but Kerry Means was hospitalized. He's all right. He seems to have congestive heart failure, which sounds worse than it is. People with CHF can go on to live long, happy lives. But basically, he was hospitalized for high blood pressure, some heart problems, and his wife was updating us from his Facebook page, which is how I know any of this and as of this recording, it's been silent for 24 hours. I hope that's just, you know, no new developments and Kerry's doing fine, just in the hospital being monitored. And hopefully he gets out and everything's all right. Obviously, I expect some news to come out between this recording and you hearing it. Anything urgent, I'll put on the Twitter feed. I'll, I'll put on the Instagram feed at AquateenPod, but hopefully nothing. I mean, really just hope that he gets out and is all right. Looks like they're going to make some changes to his diet and stuff. And hopefully that takes care of everything. I mean, I don't want to dwell too much on this. Uh, I noticed things were kind of clickbaity online, which I fucking hate. You know, people were like, oh, he was hospitalized. Click here to find out why. I mean, hopefully this is just, you know, Carrie's getting older. He's in his 50s. Hopefully this is just some normal shit. He changes his diet, gets back in action. You can find Carrie on Instagram at Kerry Means. So if you want to send some love, send it his way. You know, I've had people reach out to me about this kind of stuff, which, of course, you know, I'm always down to talk about it. But send it to Carrie. Let them know that you're thinking about them, and again, hopefully, everything will be all right. So that is our unfortunate Aqua scene news this week. Moving on to some other community kind of stuff, I was invited back on to the You Show Show podcast, where host Calvin and I just kind of talk about some stuff. I know, I bet you're chomping at the bit. Oh my God, I can't wait to hear those boys talk about something. But hey, it's there if you want to listen to it. It's split up into two episodes. The one out as of this recording is Calvin and I talking about video games and television. And there's also a lot of Aqua Teen stuff that is brought up there. So if you're interested in that, you can check it out. But it's kind of scattered throughout all the other conversation. And next week is the rest of our conversation with music and film. So if you'd like to check that out, check the show notes. But the podcast is called The You Show Show. And I had a good time. It was a lot of fun. And, you know, I'm not super well-versed in doing these kinds of conversational podcasts because usually it's just me sitting here by my lonesome. But hey, I had some fun talking to Calvin. It's always a treat. Beyond that, I seem to have received a moon message from none other than Ignignoct. So let's take a listen. Hello,
2: Ronnie.
1: I'm Ignignoct. I'm here to say I find your podcast
0: quite enjoyable, especially while messing with Meatwad and or stealing from Carl. I've a few things to ask you. How do you know so much about the Aquatines? And can I have some of their personal information? Nothing weird or anything, it's for a friend. Also, Er is on an important business meeting on Earth, definitely not messing with Meatwad. Before I go, I want to say this is not the last time you'll hear from me, Ronnie. This is not the last time you've heard from the Moonanites. We will hear from you very soon. This is Ignignokt, signing off from the moon.
1: I appreciate the kind things you had to say, Ignignacht, and I think it's really cool that Ur is allowed to go off on his own now. Looks like he's kind of been promoted a little bit. You can trust him a bit more. I know so much about the Aqua Teens because every week I watch them like a little creepy guy. I'm sitting here in the shadows watching them and writing stuff down about them. That's that's how I get it. If you'd like to check them out yourself, head on down to 1171 Fairley Street and you'll find them there. They're in New Jersey. That's all the information I can give. And by the way, Ignignoct, why don't you head on over to Ignignoct.com and see what you find? I think you'll like it. But right, thanks to Ignignoct for sending in that voice message. If you'd like to send in your own voice message, head on over to speakpipe.com slash dancing is forbidden, or just check the show notes, that's probably an easier way. You can click the link right there. If you'd like to tell me about your Aqua Teen origin story, your favorite episode, or do an impersonation, whatever you got, love to hear it. I think that's all our community stuff this week. Let's head on over and see what the heck was going on the week that Super Trivia aired. Kicking its way into the top of the box office this week, dressed in skin-tight leather, we have Underworld. This compelling story of vampires versus lichens, bringing in 21.7 million this week, Nothing to laugh at there. That's a serious number, and the ratings on this one are really interesting. On IMDb, we have a 7 out of 10, which is really quite good, but then over on Rotten Tomatoes, we have a 31%, so a real discrepancy there, and yeah, just really, really shocking to see that. I've never really seen something so misaligned, I guess, on its Rotten Tomato score than its IMDb score, but hey, that's Underworld. I think I saw it around the time it came out, my mom's into this kind of stuff, so I'm sure I've seen it at some point. I definitely remember going to GameStop around this time, which is in the United States a game-selling store, I guess, and I remember seeing a full-size cutout of Kate Beckinsale when this movie came out. So I remember that, but again, I'm sure I've seen the movie, but nothing really to talk about pertaining to it. But I can say with confidence, at least uh, some confidence, that there is no shared cast or crew between Aqua Teen Hunger Force and Underworld. And I know you're thinking, what the heck, Markula? You really missed out. I agree. Markula, you should have been in that movie. In case you're not aware, because I am going in chronological order and Markula doesn't show up until a little bit later in the series, Markula is the landlord of the Aqua Teens. He is a vampire. Anyways, moving on, let's hear what our top album this week was.
3: Let the rain <laughs>
1: We have Hillary Duff with her sophomore album, Metamorphosis. This being, my understanding is, it's her first kind of real album, because her first album was a Christmas album, and I ain't counting that, because that sounds awful. But this, Metamorphosis, selling over 131,000 units this week alone. And the song I played is called Coming Clean, and this one got stuck in my head a lot at the time when it came out. I remember this being kind of big, it being her real only single to chart in any sort of notable capacity in the United States, but even decades later, it would still be stuck in my head. And now, funnily enough, at work, I work at Target, and they play it over the overhead system. It's one of the many, many songs in the playlist that plays, which is funny because, I mean, that playlist I could get into a whole spiel about because they'll play really obscure shit that I'm probably the only one in the store that knows what it is. Like Swedish bands, the radio department, the Mary Annettes, they'll play that, but then they'll play like Hillary Duff and stuff right next to it. It's really crazy. But yeah, I'll hear this song at work a lot. And over the overhead, not super, you know, notable, but when I listen to it back for this podcast, it actually has a pretty decent sounding song, I have to say. Still gets caught in my head, catchy chorus, and in case you don't know, Hilary Duff was an actress. She was most notably, probably, in Lizzie McGuire, a Disney Channel show, and it looks like now she's still acting. She hasn't really put out any albums lately, but yeah, she's still acting. It looks like she's in the How I Met Your Mother spinoff called How I Met Your Father, if that's any good, I don't know. I mean, this is a tangent here, but I did get really big into How I Met Your Mother when I first saw it back in maybe 2014. I binged all of it except for the last season because it wasn't out yet. So whenever the last season wasn't out yet and was about to come out, that's when I was getting really big into it. But then it was maybe a couple months, I got caught up on the show, and then I was like, "All right, waiting for that last season." And then the last season came out and I watched like two episodes and I was like, "Eh, I don't care about any of this. I don't care how this resolves or anything like that." But I guess they're bringing it back. How I Met Your Father. I don't know what the continuity is between that and How I Met Your Mother, but hey, Hillary Duff, she's still acting, not really singing anymore, and I mean, this is her only song I know, so probably for good reason. Moving on to our top single this week, it is yet again Shake Its Tail Feather. We've been talking about it, we've been jiggling to it, nothing new there, so let's check out the top alternative track this week and see who has dethroned Linkin Park.
4: I must be now
1: that we're it, far away. That's right, we have Stains So Far Away. And we've actually talked about Stain before because back in Super Bowl, the third episode of the season, the album that this song comes from, 14 Shades of Grey, was the top-selling album that week. So we've already played this song on the podcast. We've talked about Stained. Go back and check out Super Bowl if you haven't to hear me talk more about them. So that's our music this week. Let's head on over to video games and see what was going on. First of all, we have NASCAR Thunder 2004 coming out on the 16th of September, and this was made by EA Sports. It looks like they were making all the NASCAR games until 2009, then some other company took them over, and they're still making them to this day, which is surprising to me because I don't feel like I really hear about these NASCAR games much. But of course I hear about all the other racing games. So, uh, you know, I really wonder how they are doing compared to the other racing games, but again, I haven't really heard of them so probably not that great. But speaking of a car game, we also have the Simpsons Hit & Run coming to consoles this week and it would come to PC in November of this year of 2003. But Simpsons Hit and Run, I did have, I did play a lot. My mom got it for us for Christmas one year. And a funny story here, because I knew where my mom would hide the presents, so me and my sister were snooping around, and we found this game, I don't think I ever told her this, we found this game with our presents, and I remember going and asking her after finding it out, I'm like, hey mom, for Christmas, can we have Simpsons Hit and Run? <laughs> I think I was just trying to be nice or something, I don't know, but I guess that shows what kind of a sweetheart I used used to be. And yeah, I played a lot of this game on the computer, had a lot of fun with it. I never had Grand Theft Auto growing up. As I've mentioned, I would play it at other people's houses and stuff, but I never had it. But I had this game, and this was really close to that, and I had a lot of fun, grew up loving The Simpsons. I'm not You know, I wouldn't consider myself a big fan or anything these days, but it's kind of weird because sometimes I'll listen to the Talking Simpsons podcast. I'm like, dude, I'm not going to know this episode. I put the episode on and I'm like, oh, yeah, I know this episode. (laughs) I've seen this episode a thousand times. So, you know, Simpsons just so ingrained into my brain, but, you know, it never affected me the same way Aqua Teen or anything like that did. Still, though, Simpsons Hit and Run was definitely a very fun game. I would like to maybe play it at some point as an adult, but I'm sure I'll never get around to that. So that's it for our pop culture this week. You just saw The Underworld. It was exhilarating. Got your blood pumping. You are begging your mom for that new Hillary Duff CD. And you are crashing cars and stealing cars in The Simpsons Hit and Run. What's coming on Adult Swim tonight? Let's see here. At 11 p.m., we have The Big O 2 with The Third Big, which is a new episode. Again, same lineup we've been seeing here, so nothing new. It's just The Big O and Aqua Teen with new episodes. 11.30 p.m., we have The Brack Show with Hippo. 11.45 p.m., Aqua Teen with Super Trivia. New episode again. Midnight, we have C-Lab 2021, Murphy Murph and the Feng Shui Bunch. 12.15 we have Space Ghost Coast to Coast with Sleeper, 1230, Home Movies with Forest Company, 1am Trigun with Love and Peace, and 130am Cowboy Bebop with Gateway Shuffle. So really standard to what we've been seeing. Nothing particularly exciting. So hey, that's it. We're all caught up to speed. Let's go see some super trivia. Check it out. Check it out, y'all. Check, it, check oh, it out. Check it out. This episode of Dancing is Forbidden is brought to you by the Backstreet Boys. Catch the Backstreet Boys on their farewell tour this year. If you happen to be in the Las Vegas area this week, from April 8th to April 16th, we have the Backstreet Boys playing all week long at the Coliseum at Caesars Palace. Head on over to BackstreetBoys.com events, pick up your tickets, head to the show. If you find yourself on stage, tell AJ that Dancing is Forbidden sent you and he will give you a kiss on the cheek. That's right. Promo code Dancing is Forbidden on the stage at a Backstreet Boys concert kiss on the cheek. I had to pull a lot of strings to get that worked out, so you better appreciate it. This episode of Dancing is Forbidden is also, as always, brought to you by the wonderful patrons over at patreon.com dancingisforbidden is forbidden, and joining the mix right now, letting you know that he wants it that way. We have Captain Buford joining at the number one in the Hood G tier, the $10 tier. Holy smokes, Buford coming in hot. Really appreciate it. Always seeing that fella over on Twitter. Glad to know he's listening along and supporting the show. I'm very much appreciative to everyone who has signed up there. I want to mention, I haven't mentioned it, but we are at $92 right now. If we can get to $100, I'm going to be making myself a weenie smoothie, making a video of of, of me drinking it, I guess. I'm just curious. Want to know what this weenie smoothie tastes like? I'm going to try and make it as close to how Meatwad makes it as possible. Now, obviously, I'm not going to let the meat get rotten or anything like that, but I got a blender, I got some hot dogs in the fridge, I'll have to pick up some whipped cream, maybe a cherry on top. If you want to see that happen, you know what to do. Patreon.com slash dancing is forbidden, but if you'd like to support the show and can't do so financially, no worries there. Just talking about the show, sharing the show, liking my posts on social media, just as simple as that, helps out, helps spread the word. I appreciate all of you for listening. Hey, let's see what's going on with this trivia business.
5: Coming up next, Aqua Hunger Force.
1: Super Trivia airing September 21st, 2003, with a TV DL rating for Suggestive Dialogue and Language. But again, it's a PG rating, nothing super scandalous in this episode. The worst we really see is when Wayne the Mainbrain McLean summons himself a cardboard cutout of a woman. She's wearing a bikini and has some soap suds. That's about it, really. I mean, a really tame episode, and what I'm excited to get into, because like I said up top, I liked this one a lot as a kid, and watching it back for this podcast, it's really reminiscent of a season one episode, so we'll get into why once we dig into it, but we have some guest voices here. First of all, we have Ned Hastings playing himself, and Ned Hastings was a producer on the show, an editor on the show, really involved with Aqua From the get-go, he was involved since episode one, and they really start to play with, you know, having people come on as themselves in the show now. We get him, we get Jay Edwards at a certain point playing himself, and this is really when that all starts out. Now, with that statement, I can't not mention that line producer Vishal Roney was in the episode PDA in season one, but that was just his voice. He was playing an insurance agent in that one, and they didn't actually show him. So I'm not fully counting that one because we don't actually see him. We will later in the series, but we didn't see him in season one. So this is, to my knowledge, the first real instance of somebody who worked behind the scenes on the show coming on as themselves. So, yeah, we have Ned Hastings playing the trivia bar announcer guy. He's reading off the trivia questions and stuff like that. We'll see him at the beginning of the episode. But we also have Seth MacFarlane, creator of Family Guy, voice of, you know, a ton of characters on that show, including Peter Griffin. He also co-created American Dad, a bunch of other stuff. I mean, I feel like I'm wasting my time here, wasting my breath even explaining to you who Seth MacFarlane is, because you probably know. But yeah, I mean, the voice of Peter Griffin, and I didn't know this until later in life. You know, I grew up with this episode, and I didn't realize that Seth MacFarlane was in it. Of course, I even knew him by name, but I just must have not paid attention to credits or something, because I was kind of surprised to find out that he was in an episode of Aqua Teen. And Family Guy coming to Adult Swim this year, in 2003, so made sense that they got him in the mix on an Aqua Teen episode because Aqua Teen really was the most successful Adult Swim original show. So it makes sense they would get him on there the same way that they got H. John Benjamin involved when Home Movies came to Adult Swim back when it launched. But yeah, now that I know that it's Seth MacFarlane, it's super obvious because the voice he's doing here isn't super different from Peter Griffin. You know, Seth also does Brian Griffin, Stewie Griffin. He, he's capable of a few different kind of voices, but he goes with more of a Peter Griffin voice here for Wayne, the main brain, McLean, who is the adversary of the Aqua Teens in this episode. So this is somewhat of a villain episode, but it's really just, oh, this guy's beating us in trivia. He's a dick. We have to beat him. So I really love them playing with that season one formula here, just as our first little instance of why this episode is similar to season one, because we do have a villain here, but it's very, very low stakes. Frylock wants to win at trivia, and Wayne, the main brain McLean, is coming between Frylock and the victory. And it's funny because these are really the only two people competing in this trivia tournament. There's nobody else seemingly at the bar, really, which is funny. But I'm getting ahead of myself here. First of all, as always, this season and the last, we have a Dr. Weird skit. This one's short, very silly. We open on Dr. Weird's face and he's just smiling and grinning. But you hear him talking, but it's a little muffled. And then the camera pulls out, and we see that he is basically he has his dress thing pulled up. He's spreading his ass cheeks apart and he is talking out of his ass into a microphone. So you'll hear some farting noises. And he's trying to talk to Steve, who is like bare like he is in a different room looking over the doorframe. And then Steve just kind of like slinks away. Like he is not dealing with this. So that's the whole setup. Let's take a listen.
4: Gentlemen, allow me to introduce myself.
0: I am Dr. Paradox. Gentlemen, where are you?
1: <laughs> Super cheap to animate on their end because you don't have anybody actually moving. All you have is Dr. Weird's butt just kind of flapping around, but he's just smiling stationary. And Steve, they just kind of move that image over and that's it. So short, sweet, to the point. Gotta love it. So moving on to the episode proper, we get a huge shakeup here because so far every episode this season has either overwhelmingly opened in the Aqua Teens house or a few little different cases. For example, Super Spore opens at Carl's Pool and the Meat Zone opens in front of the Aqua Teens house. This episode, we are opening in a bar. So we are completely somewhere new, somewhere we've never been, but also just opening right into the thick of things. There's no setup. Hey, let's go to the bar and do some trivia. No, they're there they're in the thick of it doing the trivia and 10 episodes in this being one of the few instances where we're actually in a new location i mean in the meat zone we went to the foodie mart and really off the top of my head that's all we've really gone to i know we went to the powerpuff mall in super spore where travis did his interview i mean that was a kind of a new location in a way but yeah not a whole lot of new locations so far this season because they're mostly just at home with stuff happening, you know, just just entertaining each other, uh playing amongst themselves, I suppose. Here they are out in the real world, so there's gonna be a lot of description here. As for the background, because you know, we did a lot of that in season one, but so far not a whole lot in season two. But hey, we're about to get a lot of it now. Alright, so we open on Ned Hastings, our host, and he's just a, a blonde white guy. Uh the drawing of him is really simplistic. Pretty nondescript, he has a gray shirt on and what looked to be khaki pants of some sort. And he's standing there with a microphone reading the question off of a note card. And a few things in the background that I picked up on are, on the wall here, the most notable thing, there's a Hawks jersey, it just says Hawks on it, and then number nine. So I assume this is supposed to be the Atlanta Hawks, because Aqua Teen was made in Atlanta, Georgia, and that is a basketball team. I mean, this is a basketball jersey. To some people, that's probably super obvious. To me, it, it took some thinking to figure that out. And the number nine I looked up was once held by a player named Bob Pettit. And after Bob Pettit, that number was retired. And that name might sound familiar to you, because while not the same Bob Pettit, I want to stress that... The guy who did the backgrounds on the show, his name is Bob Pettit. So again, it's not the same Bob Pettit, but this definitely, you know, Pettit probably did this himself. So he's kind of alluding to himself in a way, at least his name in this episode on the wall there. So very funny. I really liked that. That was like so delightful to find when I Googled it. But again, not the same basketball player, Bob Pettit, but you know, they share the name. So very funny that Bob Pettit, I assume, put that there because that's his name. (laughs) So moving on from that on the wall, there's a neon sign that says Red Spud on tap, and this seems to just be a fictional beer. I couldn't find anything called Red Spud. Uh, please correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, you know, I, I probably would have found it, I assume. Otherwise, we see a picture of two people in front of some sort of sporting arena, I assume at least. My knowledge here is lacking, so I have no idea what the arena is supposed to be or anything like that. We also have a picture of a city skyline, and then on Ned's desk, we see a picture of beer, some pencils, paper, and note cards. There's also a glass jar for what I assume are note cards he read from. He just kind of puts the empty ones in there. And then on top of the table, it takes up some space. We don't actually see what it is, but it's an electronic device of some kind. I have to assume this is some sort of professional CD player or tape cassette player that he uses to stop and start the music from because, you know, music will play, then it'll stop, and then he'll read the question or whatever or the answers and then he will start up the music again so you have to assume that's what that is and we see some outputs on the back and stuff that line up with that so that's just what we open to after that we cut to the aqua teens who are sitting in a booth we have frylock and meatwad sitting on one side and master shake on the other and Meatwad's in a high chair which is just so adorable i love that so much and notably there's no food or, or drinks or anything on their table so yeah, i mean you know that really lines up with them being poor which i love so much and they talk a little bit about that in this episode but we have fralock holding a pencil and he's doing the trivia you know on the table he has a piece of paper and on their side of the bar, not as much stuff to really talk about, but we see an Outlaw light neon sign, which is another fictional beer. I looked it up. There are, of course, a ton of beers called Outlaw, but, you know, I, I don't know that they were referencing a specific Outlaw in this episode. Maybe they were. I'm not sure. I'd have to ask them. Otherwise, we see another jersey. It says cleco 73. That's a retired number. And Klecko was a football player in the New York Jets. Otherwise, we see a black and white photo of some sort of sports team and what looks like a jazz poster with some black musicians playing drums and a piano on it. So that's really all we see in this clip. I mean, just a lot of description here. But yeah, we're ready to jump in here again, right into the thick of it, right into the action. The Aqua Teens are doing the trivia we're not getting any sort of lead up to it, so let's take a listen. But before we do that, I want to give thanks to the YouTube channel Video Killed the Radio Star. I talked about them in the last Community Jiggle. They are going through and finding all the production music in Aqua Teen. So the song you're about to hear here is called Chrome Key, composed by Rocky Schnars and Steve Fister. What a last name on that guy from the album Classic Overdrive. And this is just kind of, I assume, a stock media collection of these kinds of rock songs. So link in the show notes for that YouTube channel if you would like to see other songs used in Aqua Teen. All right, let's take a listen.
5: Okay, the final category is science. Which alkaline earth metal has the chemical symbol B-E? The chemical symbol BE. Cool, this one's easy.
3: <laughs> no, kid. Pur down, boys. Pur down,
5: Backstreet
2: boys.
0: <laughs> You're <beat fire. laughs> not running. You're giving it away. Shakes
2: it down. <laughs> it's not the Backstreet Boys.
0: I know. And don't you dare put that down. BE? Come on. It's Denmark. <laughs> oh, no, I <no. laughs> yeah. Denmark? It's a sub level country underneath Denmark. think you would have heard of it. Is that what you're writing? No,
2: I'm putting down beryllium because that's the answer.
0: Yeah, that's, uh, that's the other one.
1: So the answer here is beryllium. And whenever I got into chemistry class, whenever I'd see beryllium, i just get a little smile on my face thinking about this episode. Beryllium with the atomic number of four and reading this Wikipedia page just reminds me how much I hated my chemistry class. I was more of a biology guy, okay? But back to beryllium, it's is the most common window material for x-ray equipment and components of particle detectors because it is relatively transparent to such things. We hear, though, there is no real consensus at the Aqua Teen table because mewat says it's the Backstreet Boys and Shake says it's Benmark, which is a sublevel country below Denmark, which, of course, is not a real thing. Uh, unless you, maybe you talk to some conspiracy theorists, they're all about, you know, underground civilizations and stuff, so maybe it's possible, I don't know, but... Frylock is right here when it comes to the question that was asked. And again, that is is the actual Ned Hastings voicing himself. So it's not Matt and Dave making fun of Ned like they might do on something like South Park. For example, the character Butters was inspired by somebody who worked on the show. They were kind of mocking that person. This is the actual Ned Hastings just playing a mundane, kind of boring bar trivia announcer adult guy. So I think that's very funny that he was down with it and willing to go on mic and do this. From what I can see by sleuthing around on IMDb, this appears to be Ned's first acting job, really, was this. Uh, He's credited as being in some 1989, like a TV show of some sort, but it's in French. And I mean, maybe Ned actually was in this, but I'm going to guess and say that this wasn't the same Ned Hastings because... Like, I I don't think he's French. So, yeah, uh, not sure what that credit is about. I assume just a mistake. Probably some other Ned Hastings. So it looks like this is his first acting gig. Anyways, back to the episode. Frylock hands off the card to Shake, who's going to go turn it in. And now Meatwad's going to ask a little question. Hey,
3: Hey, Frylock. Give me a picture of me.
2: I will not. You're not old enough to drink. You don't know everything.
3: If you did, we wouldn't be losing right now. We
2: wouldn't be losing right now if you didn't put down Backstreet Boys on half
3: our answers. But my gut tells me Backstreet. And that is where my brain lives. Where my gut. <laughs> There's roommates. But sometimes they don't get along too well. You know, they're always arguing about the bills. The summer's bills. <laughs>
1: So Meatwad just kind of going off on a random tangent there, which he does a lot this season, which I really love. That's one of my favorite characteristics of Meatwad. You heard some background noise there. That is Frylock just squeezing mustard into his mouth, which is something I've kind of done before when I was a kid without any money, hanging around with the local kids by the McDonald's. Like there was a library right by our McDonald's. And so we go to the library and maybe play RuneScape or something on the computers and then go to McDonald's. And of course... You know, I never had any fucking money, so I remember one time getting one of those little cups for ketchup, and I put some ketchup in the cup, and I ate that, so I've been in that situation with Frylock before. And of course, funny hearing Meatwad ask for some beer, you know, he's talked about wanting to get tore up in previous episodes, he has a a bad boy side to him, we don't really see it in this episode, but you saw it peek out a little bit there, he wants some beer. Anyways, Shake is going to come back now from turning in the card, let's give it a listen and hear what these results are.
0: Okay! That's enough. Here we go.
1: And the answer is, uh, as
5: Wayne got it, beryllium. Yes, I knew it. I totally nailed that one.
0: Then huh? why didn't you say that? What are you talking
5: about? <laughs> I wrote that down.
0: Well, I changed it to the Backstreet Boys. What? I mean, you heard the confidence in his voice. <laughs> he sounded like he'd been there.
2: Been where,
1: Shake?
0: Okay, I changed it to Benmark. <laughs> what?
2: You're a fool.
0: Look, it is a country. I'll find the map.
1: So we had a visual gag there. We cut to Meatwad while Shake is saying all this, and he's just downing a pitcher of beer. So somehow Meatwad got his hands on some beer, and then he puts the empty pitcher on his head. And when he says, you a damn fool or whatever, he's wearing it on his head. So party boy Meatwad over there, no idea how he got that beer, but I guess he has his ways. And something that's interesting here is we know that they have to turn in their note card with the answer on it, but they also have a piece of paper on their table, and it kind of like like, it seems like they're supposed to be writing the answers on the paper. Um, they kind of show that paper throughout the episode, too. doesn't really make sense. It's like, are they writing it on the note card and turning it in? Or are they writing it on the piece of paper with all the, uh, you know, written stuff on it? I mean, it's really both. We see them do it on both. I'm not entirely sure why, though. I feel like this is just some sort of um, animation discrepancy or something. They couldn't really figure out how to best represent the script. So they just did both, is my assumption. Anyways, though, we hear that Shake you know, on turning in the note card. Again, that's why the note card is an important part of the episode, because if they were just writing it on their piece of paper, it doesn't really make sense how Shake would have done this. But Shake went to turn the note card in and he changed the answer to Benmark. He was so confident in himself. And then he blames, of course, Frylock for, for not asserting himself more or whatever, even though Frylock wrote beryllium. And back to beryllium real quick. Emerald is a naturally occurring compound of beryllium. Bet you didn't know that. Back to the episode, though. We are about to see our villain for the first time, Wayne, the Brain, McLean. He is a very, very short man. I'm talking real tiny. He's one of the goofiest looking villains they came up with on this show. Really short guy. He's wearing sandals, what look like dark cargo pants, a red Hawaiian shirt, but also a turtleneck underneath that. And then he has a giant green afro, but it's kind of sectioned off and we will find out why later but yeah very silly oh he also has acne too on his face <laughs> a, a very interesting touch that they gave him and he jumps up onto the table and is like raising his hands in triumph he's so happy and behind wayne we see a black and white picture of some older guy holding a golf club i don't know if he's supposed to be somebody famous or what we see i think what are our formula one cars something like that and then Behind him that we never see the full picture of are two landscape shots. Again, I don't think we ever see those full pictures, but you can kind of see hints of them behind his head at certain points in the episode. On Wayne's table, he actually has a a beer sitting there, so Wayne's getting to drink something. He's got the money for that, and we figure out why. It's because he wins all these trivia contests, so let's jump in. Let's hear the score and meet Wayne. Our score is at the end
5: of this round in second place with 25 points. The Backstreet
1: Boys.
5: (laughs) That's what you named us. (laughs) And in first place, yet again, with another perfect score of 60 points, Wayne the Brain McLean. Yes!
4: Yes! Oh, God, yes! God, I
0: hate that Wayne. Whoa. No way you're ever getting sex with a thing like that in your head. Sup? Not like us, right, pal?
1: Some awkward silence there, shake. Not like us, right, pal? I love Wayne's sup. That's something that weird guys like this always fucking say sup i swear to god every weird guy like this i've known has always said sup anyways though the score is 25 for the aqua teens to 60 for wayne you know this one wayne he's smarter than all three aqua teens as you could hear by my laughter this is one of my favorite jokes in the entire show is when Ned says the Backstreet Boys, and was like, They're here, where? He starts looking around and shit. He's all excited, but he just named their group the Backstreet Boys, which is a great trivia group. If I ever do trivia, that's what I'm naming my group. I've done office trivia once at my fiance's college when she was going there. and it's funny, I had to pretend to be a student, and they were checking student IDs, and I'd be like, uh, I forgot mine, but I mean, we didn't win anyways. We had no fucking chance. There was some office fanatics, some real office freaks in that place who got all the answers. But yeah, that's the only trivia I've done. I like trivia overall. Obviously, I've played trivia games and stuff like that, but never went out to a bar to do it. And I know that my fiance has been wanting to. I don't know. I'd rather sit at home, but that's just me. Maybe, Maybe I'll have to go one of these days. Maybe that could be my stipulation. Like, all right, I'll go. And I, I, mind you, she's never asked It's not like she's like, hey, there's uh, there's trivia nights At so-and-so bar, do you want to go? Uh, it's not, That's never happened, she just vaguely wants to go But I can say, alright, we'll do it If we can be called the Backstreet Boys I do have a friend, though She does trivia nights And she said uh, not too long ago that, that there was a question about Aqua Teen. You know, the answer was Aqua Teen Hunger Force, and she knew it because of this podcast. She knows that I do this podcast, and I guess she was saying she was one of two or maybe even the only person there that, that got it right. So, hey, pretty cool. But yeah, as for that clip, obviously we heard Seth MacFarlane doing his voice, and that's really all we hear from him until really the end of the episode. It always shows him we see him a lot. He feels present throughout the episode, but he only speaks a handful of times here and then in a kind of speech at the end. So really interesting because my impression of the episode was he was more involved. But when I actually watch it, I see that he, he's there visually. They just, you know, make it feel like he's there more than he really is. Because again, there's only so many lines. And in my mind... I'm equating Family Guy to the juggernaut it is today, but we have to remember in 2003 it was canceled, right? So it wasn't. It's not like Seth MacFarlane was this huge deal at the time like he is now. So my perception of this is totally warped because at first I'm like, oh yeah, he was doing them a favor by coming on here and that's why he didn't have more lines because he wasn't gonna stick around on this little show all day. But I remember, wait a second, his show was canceled at this time and Family Guy wasn't as huge as it became. So... Yeah, it's kind of interesting just when I think, you know, my perception of it all. And back when I was watching this a lot in 2005, 2006, it was still the same. I I didn't, I don't think Family Guy came back till like 2006 or 7 or something. All right, regardless, this is all besides the point. Let's continue on with our episode and hear what the final question of the night is. Not like it matters, you know, because there's no way it's going to get the Aqua Teens caught up to Wayne in terms of their point discrepancy, but let's give it a listen.
5: And our final question of the game is in the sports category. Wayne is the master of sports. Oh, hell. I suck at sports. But Wayne doesn't. For two <laughs> points each, like it matters, name the last five NCAA basketball champions.
3: Don't sweat it. we got this covered. I read the Backstreet Bible. AJ <laughs> likes ice skating, and Harold likes to freeze What about basketball jokes? basketball jokes. <laughs> I heard
2: it
0: on the radio. It's funny, and it's the answer.
2: You put it down. I'm getting out of here.
0: No, you're not, because he does not know how to write, and I completely refuse to.
1: So Miwan is drinking another pitcher of beer here. Again, where he gets it from, who knows, but it's funny to see him gulping that thing down. We get the great joke of Shake saying, oh, you read it down because... Meatwad can't, and I refuse to, because Master Shake never wants to admit to his illiteracy. And yeah, it's a sports question. Fralick doesn't know sports, so he just just leaves. And you heard Meatwad rattles on about the Backstreet Boys. This is funny. There's just something that I love, because we see Meatwad falling for the MCP pants stuff, but I love here that it's a real band that Meatwad is obsessed with, and it's a boy band nonetheless. It's really funny after he said that he was going to get into Iron Maiden, but now he's listening to Backstreet Boys. And real quick about the Backstreet Boys, it looks like their most recent album at this point was their 2000 album, Black and Blue. This wasn't their big hit album, which was Millennium. That had I Want It That Way, Larger Than Life, uh, as the two big singles, probably their two biggest songs. And, you know, back in the day, there was the Sync or Backstreet Boys thing. I think I was way more into Sync at the time as a little kid, you know, in, in probably about 2000 when I was about six. I remember, I think I liked Instinct more, but I do like Backstreet Boys as well. I want to say I had one of their CDs. Of course, it was a a burn CD that somebody gave me, but I'm not entirely sure on that. But I remember when I was a kid one year, I can't remember which year, it would have been maybe between 2000 and 2003, probably. It was Halloween and my dad was taking me trick-or-treating, or or, or my whole family was trick-or-treating, my mom, my dad, me and my sister. And then my my mom and my sister were going to go home because my sister was younger than I was and I was real little at the time. And me and my dad were going to go back out. My dad's like, yeah, we're just going to go walk the back streets and like go go to those houses. And I thought that was the coolest fucking thing. I'm like, we're going to the back streets? That's insane. I thought that I, I kept saying it. I was like, yeah, we're going to the back streets. Like, I thought this was so, so awesome. I thought I was like, wow, this is what the Backstreet Boys is all about. But at the same time, though, this episode coming out in 2003, I can't help but feel like the Backstreet Boys reference is maybe a little dated because Millennium, their biggest album, came out in 1999. So, I don't know, I guess it was, you know, just a few years ago, a handful of years ago. It's not super outdated, but yeah, just, uh, again, funny to see Meatwad into a contemporary band, but a boy band nonetheless, like, it's so stupid. So anyways, as we heard, Frylock, he doesn't know sports, he's just giving up. Because again, even if he got these all right, they wouldn't have won. They were so far behind Wayne's score. So Frylock leaves, and then we cut to the Aqua Teens' house, and we have Frylock, he's just hitting his head into the wall in their living room, and he's putting a dent in the wall, and Meatwad is kind of talking him down from this.
3: Just calm down, Frylock, it's over. We lost again. Let it go and accept the truth that we are dumb.
0: Dermas hair. That's <laughs> right, for the most part. We got us a superstar, and we got two albacores that are just hanging around my neck.
2: Albatrosses.
0: Yep. It's like the rhyme of the marinade happening all over again.
2: I am getting real tired of Wayne walking away with 50 bar dollars every Tuesday night.
0: I got it. We'll go
2: kill Wayne. <laughs> no, we're doing this legal. Follow me.
1: That is Shake picking up a bat. We'll, We'll kill Wayne. Fine. And that is how Wayne can afford that beer because he wins all these bar dollars. And of course, the Aqua Teens would really benefit from winning the bar dollars because they have no money. So it wouldn't just be fun spending money. And now they could actually get some real food to eat every once in a while, which would be nice. Which that reminds me of being a kid, too, thinking about this injustice. Because I remember, for example, one time at my school... I don't remember what it was. It was some sort of event, and they picked a couple kids to go into one of those wind tube machine things. Like It's all windy, and it blows money around, and it's like, all right, all the money you can you can catch and hold on to, you can keep. And of course they pick fucking rich kids to do it, like these popular rich kids. I'm like, they don't need this money. I have no fucking money. Let me in there and get some money and I can actually get some stuff. But they pick the kids whose parents already buy them everything anyways. What the hell is that? Just injustice after injustice. And it's just represented in this Aqua Teen episode perfectly. Anyways, I had to do some research here, and all these years later, I'm finally figuring out what this means. Shake says that he has two albacores hanging around his neck. What he's trying to say here is that he is the intelligent one of the group, and Frylock and Meatwater basically dead weight, they're stupid, and he has to... You know, carry their burden. You can kind of deduce what he means just from that, but Friday corrects him and says albatrosses. An albacore is a fish, an albatross is a seabird, a large seabird, kind of like a seagull, a little bit, sort of. But I'm still like, well, what does that mean, anyways? I, I don't understand. So I looked up even further. And the saying, albatross around one's neck, is an idiom that refers to a heavy burden someone carries, especially a burden that torments someone incessantly. This idiom comes from the 19th century poem, The Rhyme and the Ancient Mariner. That poem by English poet Samuel Taylor Coleridge. And yeah, that's it. It's from a poem, and it's a saying, it's an idiom. I have never really heard it outside of this show, but it exists, and now I know what it means. And then we get the additional joke there of Shake saying, like the rhyme of the marinade all over again. He, he means the rhyme of the ancient mariner. So he's fucking up the poem title too. Very funny that he's referencing this. And, you know, really above something that Sheikh I think, would ever reference. I don't think he would know what this is to even begin with, but I still appreciate the joke and it's satisfying to actually learn what it's about. And then there's just a huge payoff there that I never got until now. Anyways, moving on, Frylock is going to take matters into his own hands. He's going to do this legally, um, you know, in quotations here, because what he's about to do probably is not legal at all. We cut to Frylock's room, and we have Master Shake and Meatwad sitting in chairs, but they're not just sitting in them. They are strapped to the chairs. They are wearing the cliched mental institution kind of arms-behind-your-back wrap, and he just has them kind of prisoner in these chairs in front of his computer, and he is propping their eyes open against their will, essentially. This is called the Ludovico technique, and it originates from A Clockwork Orange. I tried to do more research on it. I'm like, is that really where it began? But from what I could tell, that is where this began. It's just a fictional kind of technique where again you just prop someone's eyes open so they have to watch whatever you're showing because they literally can't close their eyes we will see a new addition to frylock's room on the wall that the window sits that you would see carl's house through there is basically glued in there really makeshifty is a giant dvd reader you know where the back of this goes who knows it's probably all encased on the outside of the house but frylock is going to load that with a giant dvd it is a giant generic dvd but written in marker on it is omni science volume one otherwise it says dvdr on the right side of the disc which is pretty normal on the left side it says 7.2 mil eb eb stands for exabyte which is okay so you have kilobyte megabyte sure you heard of those gigabyte i'm sure you heard of terabyte is up next which that is over a thousand gigabytes. I'm sure some of you are familiar with that. Well, above that is petabyte, which is over a thousand terabytes. Above that is exabyte, which is over a thousand petabytes. So very, very, very large. And I'm not sure what the mill stands for. Is it a million exabytes? That's insane. But the point is, it's a giant DVD with a lot of information on it. So Frylock is keeping Meatwad and Shake's eyes open because he's going to force them to watch all the information on this DVD so that they can become very intelligent or, or at least knowledgeable and so that he can win trivia. That's the whole idea here. So let's give it a listen.
0: Where are the chicks and why are you clipping my eyes open?
1: <laughs> Look, just watch the screen, okay?
0: All right. Porno.
2: <laughs> hey, I can deal. Actually, no. It's all the world's knowledge compressed into one humongous DVD. Does it show girls in a nude? Well, it shows a woman without skin, but that's really more about her organs.
0: But the sex organs, right? Just <laughs> the good ones. See you Tuesday. Who left? Oh yeah, I saw. Because I can't
1: close my eyes to not see! So Meatwad and Shake are being showed just a bombardment of historical footage with equations over the top just flashing by. Just all the world's information, like Frylock said. He's making them learn all of this so he can win at trivia. And I assume that it's either Tuesday night or Wednesday. And he says, I'll see you on Tuesday, which we know is when trivia night is. So they're being you know, made to stay there for about a week to learn all this knowledge. You heard some drum and bass in the background. I like the music here. We're going to get some schooly d talking over the top, so let's listen to that real quick. All that's going on at this point, is just outside. We are seeing day and night just cycling through and through, so we get the idea that there's a big time lapse here that we are going about a week in the future for the next Trivia Night. So let's listen to that little Schooly D cut. I don't get visit, baby. So that's that. Just basically saying that Meatwad and Shake are stupid. Like, this isn't really going to work. But let's see if Schooly D is right. We cut back to Frylock's room now when we have Shake and Meatwad sitting in their chairs, their eyes still held open and their eyes are just very very red and bloodshot as you can imagine they weren't allowed to blink for a week at this point which is not healthy whatsoever so let's jump into frylock's room and see if this little experiment worked
0: all right how we doing fine no we're not doing that my eyes are thirsty as hell here who do you think you are?
2: I'm the only U.S. president to serve two non-consecutive
1: terms in the Oval Office.
0: Well, then that would make you Grover Cleveland. And I don't, Why is this coming out of my mouth?
1: All right, so it seemed to have worked on Shake. Let's see if it worked on Meatwad.
2: Meatwad? How many non-consecutive terms did Grover Cleveland serve?
3: I'm fine. does <laughs> fine like wine. <laughs>
2: why don't we just unhook you?
3: Wait a minute. He's not
0: going anywhere that I haven't been. I can read anywhere <laughs> I want, boy. Ah. Oh.
1: <laughs> that is Meatwad. I go anywhere I want, boy. Then he just rolls right into Frylock's desk. And I'm fine like wine. That's something that I still say to this day, over 15 plus years later, can't get it out of my head. If you watch this episode along with me, make sure you check out the chairs here. They basically have what look like seatbelt assets on them, just holding the characters. And it looks very strange. It makes no sense how these are connected at all, but it's very funny to see. I like they just kind of jerry-rigged this visually together just threw some stuff together to to kind of vaguely make it look like something that could hold the aqua teens in so Meatwad was let go and shake is going to plead for the same treatment and it's revealed that he has a a tiny toy basketball hoop lodged in his butt he was sitting on it the whole time which would be incredibly uncomfortable but we're going to see the shortcoming of frylock's plan and oversight perhaps because even though shake knows basically everything in the world he doesn't know what this little thing is.
0: Come on, damn it. I got this thing embedded in my ass. Here.
1: Oh, shoot. I'm sorry about that.
0: What is it? it looks like an Ethiopian toilet seat.
2: <laughs> it's just a basketball hoop.
0: What is this basketball you speak of?
2: Oh, hell. I forgot to put sports on the DVD.
0: And what is this sports you speak of?
1: <laughs> so, Shake doesn't know anything about sports. And, a nice little touch here is. First of all, it's funny because you hear kind of a fabric ripping noise, and then Shake is just out of of the jacket, out of the straps, and and the jacket for both the characters is just gone. Like, they get out of it and it just disappears, which is a funny touch, but... The nice touch here that I was getting at is that Shake's eyes are still a little bit red. They're not as bloodshot as they were at the beginning of the scene, but they are a shade of of red a little bit. Meatwad's weren't, which was interesting because his eyes were also bloodshot, but as soon as he got out of the jacket and everything, he looked normal. But but Shake's eyes here are still a little bit red, which was a, a interesting touch that they decided to add. So we learned that Frylock forgot to put sports in the DVD, so Shake doesn't know anything about sports. It's the day of the trivia night, so Froelich has to figure something out. So he heads over next door to ask Carl to join their group because Carl, as we know, he's a sports fanatic. Giants number one. So we're over at Carl's house. Now, interesting touch here. Carl is only wearing yellow swim trunks. It's not mentioned. It's not explained why, but he's just only wearing those. So we see more of his leg than usual. We see his entire, you know, bare top half just a funny touch because if you did go over unannounced to bother somebody it's possible that they you know wouldn't be dressed like normal maybe he was swimming or he was about to go swimming or something along those lines so nice little touch here and makes the world feel a little bit more alive and also i need to mention that meatwad and shake are also outside with frylock for some reason but they are sleeping on carl's lawn because they weren't able to sleep for the past week because they were kept up the entire time because their eyes were clipped open
2: Call my man. What's up? I don't have any food. so get <laughs> lost. Dinner is on us tonight. Cause you know what tonight is, don't ya? Huh? Oh
3: yeah. Tonight I'm uh, downloading porn at fourteen kilobits a second.
2: <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I got a cable modem back here. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we were hoping you want to come to a party with us tonight.
3: Oh, it looks like they're done partying. Now what they're doing is uh, loitering. Then that's very illegal.
2: <laughs> Look, here's the deal. We're playing team trivia tonight, and we need someone that knows sports.
1: Hey, here's the trivia question. Why would I want to do that? So, of course, because of the way this podcast works, we're kind of uh, ruining that joke there. We have Carl saying, why would I do that? Then we're going to cut to the next scene where he's like, yeah, the chicks, where are the chicks, or whatever. And he's at the bar uh, dressed up in his normal clothes. But before we get there... I want to point out, it's really interesting how Carl makes an internet speed joke. Carl says he's going to be downloading porn at 14 kilobits a second, but then there's a long silence and he's like, oh, I'm just kidding, I have a cable modem back here, which means he'd be able to download porn a lot faster, but just really strange that Carl would make an internet speed joke like this. I've definitely known people that are very proud of their internet speeds. They'll brag about how fast their internet is, and I never quite pegged Carl as one of those people, but uh, apparently he is. So, all right, onto the next scene here. Carl's like, well, why would I do that? And now we're going to hear how he got coaxed into joining the trivia team. We are at the bar. Carl is there. Of course, he's wearing his normal clothes now. And let's hear why he came.
3: Yeah, the chicks. Where are they, Fryman? Oh,
2: oh, they're <laughs> in the back moistening there. T-shirts for the jello wrestling.
3: <laughs> now you speak speaking my language here. I knew you wasn't gay. Is that why
2: uh you're not sitting with the rest of the team, Carl? What are you kidding? <laughs> no, I'm not doing that.
3: Hey, there's a broad. There's a broad right there. Hey! Yeah, you ding back! Oh, I want a pitcher of beer, fried jalapenos, the naches Grande, <laughs> and uh let's start with fifty wings extra hot and keep the ranch coming. Uh, two coffees, please. <laughs> you hear what I ordered?
1: Oh, I'm going to be farting blood over here. It's funny because while Carl is being just an asshole customer yelling, literally screaming at the waitstaff, we see Frylock in the Aqua Teens booth just kind of ducking down like, oh, God, I'm not here with this guy. I can't believe this. But yeah, as you can hear, Carl is sitting in his own booth. He doesn't want to sit with the other guys, but it makes sense because he's about to order a bunch of food and stuff. There just wouldn't be room at that table for all of Carl's food and the Aqua Teens coffees and all that good stuff. But Master Shake and Meatwad are sleeping. You might have heard them snoring in that last clip. And when we see Carl at his booth, there is a few other things on the wall that we can make out now. There's what looks like an old baseball poster, a hockey stick, and then a photo of two men standing together. So that's about it. Carl ordered lots of food, and Ned Hastings, our host, is about to introduce Wayne the Brain McLean. Ladies and gentlemen, turn
5: around and face your trivia doom. It's Wayne the Brain McLean,
2: You're going down tonight, Wayne. Carl, we need to name our team something tough.
3: I turned it in, Fryman. We're good.
2: In our other competing squad... The one eyed
5: wonder weasels and their two balls. (laughs) Two (laughs) balls! Very, very clever guys.
3: Nice. You get where I'm going with that, Fryman? You understand the uh, thing? The joke?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I do, Carl. Tonight! Frylock, yet again, ducking down in the booth. He's just so embarrassed to have brought Carl to this. Clearly, this means a lot to Frylock. I mean, we've seen it all throughout the episode, but this is just really embarrassing to him because he's in a social situation that he wants to present himself well in, and Carl is rooting that. But but I like Carl's name there, and I like that you know Ned Hastings did not want to have to say that. Notice when he introduces Wayne the Brain McLean, he just jumps on the table and waves his arms around, but he doesn't actually say anything, which... Seems kind of odd, but, you know, when you actually think of the logistics of making an episode, they just, you know, maybe added this a little bit later, or they just didn't have a voice line for him there. So, Carl is proud of the name. From here, we're about to go into a bit of, like, a montage of the trivia competition, and Master Shake, like I said, is sleeping in the booth, and Frelak will just stab him with a fork every time he needs him to answer to wake him up.
2: (laughs) Rosetta
1: Stone! And the answer is the Rosetta Stone. Yeah,
2: Fry Man in the house, baby. I wanna say raw deal, but it seems like it could be Commando. Running Man! One of Arnold's first big hits, it was the
5: running man. Yes! Remember Richard Dawson in that one. 1060! 1060. T- t-
2: 1061. 1066.
5: Booyaka! Booyaka! Joseph of Arimathea! And the
1: answer was Joseph of Arimathea, and the scores are still tied. Yes!
2: Hi Fry Carl!
1: So all throughout this, Frylock is just cheering on, he's so excited, and we get cuts of Wayne and he is not looking happy because he's losing, or not really losing, but he is just not stomping Frylock and the Aqua Teens. So during all of this, we get cuts to the, I guess it's just a score sheet that Frylock has that some of the answers are written on, and... During the segments we go to, and we see other answers, too, that we don't hear read in the episode. So first, we see Vancouver and or British Columbia. Vancouver being a city in British Columbia, which is a province of Canada on the western coast. Shout out to Vancouver. Got lots of buddies over there. Although, I do have to shout out Ontario because you guys are listening to the podcast way more. So, Ontario supremacy. Sorry, British Columbia. The next answer we see is Biff Pocaroba. Who I didn't know who that was. I looked it up. It's actually an old baseball player. So it's interesting here because in the script, they will say, oh, there were no sports questions. But that is clearly a sports question. And it's interesting how they got it. They must have asked Carl, but the assumption here is that Carl doesn't do anything. So, you know, a bit of a discrepancy there between the art department and the script overall, I guess. And then after that, we get the Rosetta Stone, which Master Shake answered. The Rosetta Stone is. Basically, a slab from 196 BC that was issued in Egypt. Basically, it's just a decree that was written in three languages. It was Egyptian, or or rather hieroglyphics, I should say. A simpler kind of text called Demotic, I believe that's how it's pronounced, and then Ancient Greek. So we have a decent understanding of Ancient Greek, and because of this, we are able to go back and kind of translate the hieroglyphics, and that really helped scholars learn hieroglyphics and and be able to read other hieroglyphics because of the Rosetta Stone and then from there there's obviously the software that teaches you other languages inspired by this so the question could have been pertaining to either or honestly but all right moving on our next batch of questions we saw Alice Liddell and then The Running Man which is the Arnold Schwarzenegger film Alice Liddell was the inspiration behind Alice in Wonderland she was somebody that's lewis carroll was really interested in he took a lot of pictures of her and stuff uh i didn't do much research into it that sounds kind of creepy to me but you know i'm not the one to dig into that and and figure anything out i I don't want to know the film they're talking about the running man came out in 1987 like i said it stars arnold schwarzenegger but also has richard dawson like ned hastings said jesse ventura mick fleetwood And it's a science fiction movie. The synopsis, real quick, is in the year 2019, (laughs) kind of past that, America is a totalitarian state where the favorite television program is The Running Man, a game show in which prisoners must run to freedom to avoid a brutal death. Sounds like that's where that squid game show kind of got its inspiration from. Haven't seen either, but I bet they're both pretty good. All right, so after that, we get another cut to the page. We see written down Edict of Worms. This was a decree passed by Emperor Charles V which banned Martin Luther's writings and declared him a heretic and an enemy of the state. Martin Luther leading the reformation of Christianity and all that stuff. He stapled or nailed some, some complaints to some doors. Crazy guy. After that, we just see 1066. Um, we heard shakes of that as well. I don't know what the question was, so I can't expand much on the number 1066, but my assumption here is 1066 was a very pivotal year in English history. Basically, the Battle of Hastings happened that year, which is funny because Ned Hastings and. Yeah, the Normans kind of conquered the country, all that kind of stuff. This isn't a history podcast, so I'll leave it there. After that, this is in the same bracket of Edict of Worms in 1066. We also see Sheikh saying it, though. It's almost like they were running out of visual ideas, maybe. Joseph of Arimathea. Basically, Joseph of Arimathea was the guy who, according to all four Gospels of the Bible, buried Jesus after his crucifixion. So that's it for that segment there. We have Frylock ecstatic that they are keeping up with Wayne And then he says, hi, Fry, Carl. And then we get a cut to Carl, and he's just sitting in his booth, eating wings and licking his fingers. It's a really bizarre animation. To me, this is a cursed image. Just seeing Carl's face kind of front on the way that they show it while he's licking his fingers looks really strange. It's the first time we see this animation. I'm not sure if this episode is the last time we see this animation because I know we see it again in the episode, but I kind of hope it is because it's a really, really disturbing looking image to me at least. I don't know why. It's some weird, uncanny valley kind of thing. Just rubs me the wrong way. Besides that, though, there is a large pitcher of beer on Carl's table and then a cup of beer and just tons and tons of plates of empty wings. And he's just going at it. And then we jump back in to more montage of the trivia contest. George Lazenby. How's
2: that
0: spelled?
2: Uh, <laughs> Shut up! You're spelling lesbian.
3: <laughs> ah, I got you. Back. He said lesbian. <laughs>
1: Something I forgot to mention about Carl is he also has a big plate of nachos on his table. So from there we we hear Shake trolling. He's spelling the, the answer is supposed to be George Lazenby, who played James Bond. He starts spelling it lesbian, and that is the end of the trivia stuff. Really. After that, we get a full view of the entire sheet of all the answers. I'm not going to go through and read off every possible answer, but there are two things I would like to talk about from this sheet because there's a lot of information on here. First of all, the name of the bar seems to be V's Lounge. So, V I apostrophe S Lounge. So, whoever owns it, their name is V, which we learn eventually who owns it. So, it doesn't really match up. I figured it'd be more of a reference to that, that maybe astute viewers could learn that spoiler. Wayne makes this up it's like all a product of his brain basically but they don't it's just kind of an unassuming name and then otherwise in the music category because we see all the categories and in the music category one of the answers is Donald Hubbard which is Matt Malero's band I talk about it a lot over on the C-Lab 2021 deep dive into Legend of Baggy Pants That is a Patreon episode. I know that I put out like a free snippet of it. I can't remember what I put in there. So maybe I did talk about Donald Hubbard in that. But I know I mentioned Donald Hubbard too in the Cybernetic Ghosts from Christmas Past from the future episode because we hear some Donald Hubbard music as well when Danzig is living in Carl's house. So just a, a fun little reference there to Matt Malero's band. And it wasn't just Matt Malero. Barry Mills was in it as well. He was a William Street guy. He produced on Space Ghost, edited on 12-ounce Mouse, and most notably, we'll see him soon in an episode of Aqua Teen doing the voice of Hustlin' Tom Turkey. And there's actually a little joke here that I didn't know at the time in the episode Revenge of the Moon and Knights. Basically, when Meatwad and Ignat and Ur steal Carl's porno mags, they're running out of the forest after it gets set on fire and Ur is carrying one of the mags and he says, ooh, Barry's wife. And that is a reference that is being voiced by Matt Malero, kind of digging in to Barry Mills, kind of saying, oh, Barry's wife is in this porno mag. And yeah, Barry and Matt Malero in Donald Hubbard, who is written on the page here. So let's jump back into this episode and see how the trivia contest is going.
5: And at the end of regulation, we have a barn burner. Tied for the lead with a perfect score, Wayne the Brain, and the
1: one-eyed guys.
3: He didn't say it all. You're going to say it all. (laughs) Say the two balls, Paul. You don't get it without that.
1: Poor Frylock. He's just glaring over at Carl like, shut the fuck up, dude. Oh, and something I noticed, too, is that we see the note cards that are being written on. And it looks like Frylock has to write their full team name every single time on the card which is such a a long name that seems really just annoying to have to do so anyways the teams are tied we're about to go to our final question final question the category
5: is hydromagnetic magnetoidal dimensions hydro to what for 10 points when traveling at a subsonic speed during the last one hour of hypersleep which vector of the romulan nebula will suffer the wrath of the impenetrable quickening and for extra points,
1: how many rads to the nearest Moltan? Be specific, this is a real question. So we see Frylock's face and his eyes are just wide open. He's like, what the fuck? But we see Meatwad, who is now awake. He's got a smile on his face. Let's find out why. Oh,
3: hell. This is so easy, <laughs> <laughs> 50
0: more awake. What are you, dumb?
3: Shake.
2: Shake, Shake.
0: Shake. 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 wake up. Fang. Wraith of did catch you catch up off this side? Damn it, he's fried!
3: Oh, that's okay, because I happen to know the answer.
2: All right, fine. Go ahead, say it. Say the backstreet, boys.
3: I know, that's what I thought at first, too. <laughs> but if you think back to the time you took me to the lake and taught me how to go fishing, you realize that has nothing to do with this. <laughs> the answer is in Of course it is. Go
2: on. Turn it in the girl,
1: I know. <laughs> That's Meatwad rolling away with the uh with a note card in his hand, a determined look on his face. They good. So Meatwad determined that it's in sync. Of course, before that we get a little tangent from Meatwad, which we get this season. You know, it's a pretty concrete part of his personality at this point, is just going on about random stuff. And just a great joke of of the whole episode, Meatwad's all about the Backstreet Boys, but now when he has literally any other answer, it's in sync, which is the, the competing boy band. And I want to mention the song in that last clip and continuing into the next clip is called Ragamuffin, again, written by Rocky Schnars and Steve Pfister for classic Overdrive. So while Meatwad is rolling away to turn the card in, Carl's going to ask about basically why he's there.
3: So uh, when we're doing the sports
2: party,
1: we're not. We didn't. It's over.
2: We lost. Did your ass get enough
3: wings? Uh, you tell me. Does this look like I got enough? (laughs) Hey, Carl, can I give me your salary? No, I need it for fiber.
1: I have problems. (laughs) Great with the music cutting out there. Anyways, though, as is said, they're not going to do sports questions, which, as I pointed out, is a lie. We can see on the sheet that there's a sports question, so not sure what that discrepancy is about. Otherwise... Carl has just a whole graveyard of chickens on his on his table. He just has a mountain of chicken bones from all the wings that he's been eating. We also got that little joke there of Miwad asking for the celery because he's probably just hungry. He wants anything to eat. Carl says, no, he needs it for fiber, Uh, which I mean, hey, nothing wrong with that. Got to look out for yourself there, Carl. So let's see. Miwad just turned the card in. Let's hear what the answer is. Okay, we have a winner for
5: 50 bar dollars. And once again the title of champion, Wayne the Main Brain yes! McLean.
2: Success! Oh, so now it's the main brain. What, you think you're so much better than we
4: are? Because I am. I won. I'm perfect in all ways. Yep, except for that after. Plus, you got bad zits, bro. Oh, I got those on purpose. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Come on, y'all. We're never coming back to this bar again. Wait, 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 you you will wait! And you will hang out with Wayne.
1: Wait, Wayne Wayne does have bar dollars. We hear now it's the main brain. Wayne, the main brain McLean is the champion yet again. And then we finally see the Aqua Teens interacting with him. And Meatwad points out his acne. And then Wayne's like, Oh, I meant to get those. And Meatwad says, You need Buff Puff. I had to look that up. Buff Puff is, I guess, a facial sponge kind of cleanser. So just some sort of uh, facial treatment kind of thing. But at this point, it's made clear that Wayne wants to hang out with the Aqua Teens because he seemingly doesn't have any friends if he's there by himself doing this trivia. So the Aqua Teens walk off, but then Wayne's like, yeah, you know, come back. I-, I have bar dollars. And so they do come back. And then during this clip, Wayne will rip off his hair. It turns out it's not a big, green, weird looking afro. It's actually he has a giant head, a giant brain, and he just has rolls of sod or turf which is just grass on his head so it is grass and meatwad starts eating it so that's really all you need to know about this clip let's take a listen look just answer me this one question
3: yeah what's wrong with your hair
1: well that really wasn't a
2: question (laughs) so it is grass damn i'm eating is that all brain it's the
4: biggest one you've ever seen go ahead ask forth your question to the all-knowing wayne and Wayne shall deliver unto you the answer of correctitude, regardless of your limited ability to comprehend it.
2: Okay. What did you put for the final question? <laughs> the Backstreet Boys.
3: Roger, what, what? Your hair is to <laughs> eat.
1: So the answer was the Backstreet Boys. So, just being a huge payoff for the whole episode where Meatwad wanted to put Backstreet Boys for everything. And then the one time he doesn't, he puts in sync, it's the Backstreet Boys. So, a, a really just classic comedic turn there at the end but of course the episode is not over yet although i do want to mention that so wayne rips off the the sod off his head and we see he he has some hair on his head it's like these little tufts of curly brown hair which is really gross because otherwise his head is just bulbous and and you know just looks like a big brain with skin over it but there is a little bit of hair at least So now that we got that out of the way, we're about to understand what's really going on here in this episode. Wayne is going to continue with his monologue.
4: All the questions are merely illusions created by Wayne. Just like this booth. Ned Hastings, our host. And the hot, moist meat on your friend's wings. So that's why he never gets full. Well, he's a glutton. And that bill is very real. You need to pay me right now.
1: (laughs) So that is just items disappearing from the bar in front of our very eyes, including Ned Hastings. And then in this next clip, the entire bar is about to disappear, and the Aqua Teens, Carl, Wayne, they will all just be out in a field. Man, what is your problem?
4: Oh, people are jealous of my ability to put them down. <laughs> it brings me great joy, but no tale, if you understand the vernacular. <laughs> well,
2: look, we all have our problems with women, but we don't just... CREATE some fake situation to try and attract girls. <laughs>
3: because you can't! You don't rub it in, okay? We
2: know. <laughs> That's all you know. Look, why don't you just make yourself a girlfriend if your brain is so damn advanced?
1: So after this, we get a bit of silence, and then Wayne will make a cardboard cutout of a woman in a bikini appear next to him, which is really funny. But before we get to that, I want to touch on here that a big point is Wayne is upset because even though he can create these things with his mind, it doesn't help him make friends. It doesn't help him get a girlfriend or anything like that. It doesn't help him get women. And that is basically the plot in the beginning of the Aqua Teen Hunger Force colon movie film for theaters. So it's kind of shocking to me to be watching this and then get hit with that because I'm like, wait a second, am I watching the movie? What's going on here? Because so much of the movie is predicated upon the characters wanting to get chicks. So it's funny to hear that here a couple years before they start working on the movie. So again, there's a, a period of silence I'm not going to play for obvious reasons. And then Wayne will create this cardboard cutout woman next to him. Shortly after that, he'll fly away too. So let's take a listen to that.
2: Well, I did. Good, then go. Well, I will. And take your damn girlfriend. I will. She's with me. Stop looking at
1: her. (laughs) So Wayne starts floating up, and then he floats back down and grabs the cardboard cutout and then floats back up again. So that's it for Wayne. To my knowledge, he actually never comes back in the series ever again, even in the last episode of this season where we get all the villains coming back. I don't think Wayne's in that episode either, so... That's it for, for Wayne, to my knowledge there. He floats off, you know, Frylock is just mad at him, like, oh, this guy's a dick, he's full of himself. At the same time, it makes you wonder if Frylock is maybe a bit challenged by someone else who is an intellectual, because Frylock is used to being the only one with any brains. But yeah, that's it for Wayne. We have our last clip of the episode. Basically, Shake is laying out in the field, and there are bugs all over him, and they'll talk about that.
3: Hey, quick questions here. What happened to the ball?
1: It's gone, Carl. What do you think happened to it? <laughs> hey, should we just eat? Cause he's getting eaten by aphids. Nah, he'll get a ride. So that's it. That is super trivia. Before I give you my thoughts on this one as a whole, let's jump over to the Anime Superhero Forum where we have discussion that was had the night that this episode aired. Basically, the consensus here is that it was a good one. People were very excited to see Seth MacFarlane. The Dr. Weird opening was split. Some people loved it. Some people hated it. Let me read you the review of our buddy, The Landstander. The Landstander says this. The Real Brain. That's the subtitle. After a slow start, really started to pick up. Lots of classic Aqua Teen Hunger Force here. The entire world's knowledge on one DVD. Meatwad and the Backstreet Boys, though it was a tad overdone. Wayne the Brain. The Dr. Weird opening. But I think Carl was the biggest star here. Every line that came out of his mouth was gold. The pornography slash cable modem exchange was my favorite part. Not the best, but still good. I'll go with an A-minus or B+. So that's what the landstander had to say. It's always interesting to see this because we both like the episode, but it seems to be for different reasons. For example, I don't feel like the Backstreet Boys thing was overdone. Uh, I, I would have maybe laughed if there was more of it, honestly. I didn't really care for the Dr. Weird opening, and as I said, the pornography cable modem exchange, it is kind of funny, but it's just really out of character for Carl to me, so... Yeah, just interesting because I I don't really line up with Landstander on why he liked the episode, but I liked it as well. The last chain of comments I want to read you is by Anakin876, and we're in for a real ride here, a real odyssey, so make sure you have a snack. Anakin had this to say, fell flat. That's the subtitle. Other than a few Carl one-liners, the cable modem in particular, this episode was pretty weak. Interesting, but overall the episode fell flat. I kept expecting a punchline, something to make it all take on a humorous light. Unfortunately, it never really did. Meh. Hopefully next week will be better. Oh, for the days of Ignignoct and Er. Then a couple Moon and Night emojis. So that's Anakin's first comment. This is September 22nd, 2003 at 2.03am. Anakin comes back at 4.11pm of that day with the subtitle, Backstreet Boys? Question mark. Perhaps I missed this, but I would appreciate it if somebody here were to tell me exactly what was humorous about the Backstreet Boys references. Was it Meatwad saying it over and over again? The fact that the brain was actually answering the Backstreet Boys as well, or what? Diana Gohan comes in with this in response. I found it funny that Meatwad thought every answer had something to do with the Backstreet Boys, except the last answer, which he thought was in sync, even going so far as to name the trivia team after them. It's not funny as in, The Backstreet Boys are to suck kind of way, which this is Ronnie coming in, what a fucking throwback on that one, to suck, that was so big back in the day. Anyways, back to Diana. It's more of a Meatwad is incredibly simple-minded and behind the times kind of way. I mean, the Backstreet Boys aren't even around anymore, right? And they weren't around when this episode was being made, so I doubt it was just a jab at them. It's also called character development. In Interfection, Meatwad wanted Shake to look up Justin Timberlake, so it's obvious that Meatwad's a boy band pop fan, as well as a former rap fan, who now likes Devil Rock, according to the end of Super Sirloin. After that, on the 24th, at 12.34pm, we have Anakin coming back with our final message of the thread. Second Watching. That's the subtitle. I watched it a second time and appreciated this episode much more. Perhaps a second viewing should be mandatory for all who watch William Street shows and do not find them amusing on the first go around. So that's that's it. That's our, that's our final message from the discussion. Not the final one I'm just reading, but also the final one in the thread. And Anakin came around to it. He ended up being more of a fan of super trivia. Tears in my eyes. What a journey. So that's some of the discussion that was had that night over in the Anime Superhero Forums. If you would like a link to that whole thread, check the show notes. It'll be there for you. Now on to my final thoughts of this one. This one, is it's hard for me to judge objectively outside of my role as a podcaster making an episode about it because... Let me just speak as the podcaster here. I loved this one because we started off in a new location. It's an entirely new kind of plot. It's not just them fucking around at home, which I don't mind those episodes, but this one obviously gives me a bit more to talk about. On top of that, we had all these different trivia facts I got to dig into, and cutting up the scenes themselves was pretty easy. So in season one, there's lots of scene changes all the time, so that's just like an obvious natural marker of where I need to cut the clips up. But in some of season two's episodes so far, it's just long conversations. So I have to kind of judge where the conversation should be cut up. Here, that's not really the case as much. We were switching around between locations and stuff, obvious scene transitions, all that kind of stuff. So it made it easier for me just to make this episode. And it was a lot more engaging for me because, again, all the stuff I got to look up. But that's really not why you're here. You don't care about that as much, I assume. What about me as the fan? I think this one holds up. I, Like I said at the beginning, I liked this one a lot as a kid, and I liked this one a lot now. In fact, I probably appreciate it more that, uh, now that I've dug into some of the jokes and stuff like that. There's a lot more stuff just makes sense now. Back when I was a kid, I didn't know what, you know, the albatross, albacore thing meant at all. So that was just like, oh, they're just saying stuff, whatever. But as an adult now and, and someone who had to look all this stuff up, it just makes me appreciate it so much more. And I really just enjoyed this one. I thought Seth MacFarlane did great. Someone in the anime superhero forum said he's kind of doing a mix between Peter Griffin and Brian. But yeah, it's fun to see him in the mix and this just one-off, really strange, quote, villain. I love how absolutely low stakes this was. I just really appreciated the, the slice of life moment that wasn't just them sitting around at home. Again, I don't mind those episodes. I love those episodes. Most of my favorite episodes are those kinds of episodes. But it's just fun to see them somewhere new. It's fun to see them out doing something a little bit different once in a while. And we got that here. I understand why some people wouldn't like this one as much because it is a Frylock-led episode and those typically aren't as popular. You know, I mean, Shake and Meatwad are literally asleep through portions of the episode, but we do get some great moments from them. We have Meatwad with all the Backstreet Boys stuff. We have Shake suddenly knowing everything, which is funny. And, you know, he goes off on his little rants towards the beginning of the episode. We have Carl in the mix, which is nice because he has a lot of great one liners as was mentioned on the anime superhero forum but ultimately i just find myself entertained by this rivalry between frylock and wayne i mean i just enjoy the hell out of this episode i like the frylock led episodes because they're usually different they're usually something new and that's really what we got here again understand why most people wouldn't like that but i really appreciated it so i'm going to have to give this one fuck it i'm giving this one 5 out of 5 bar dollars it's just i don't know it's just a very unique episode really enjoyed it. And I felt like the pacing was great as well. I never felt like I was getting bored. There's a lot of montages in this one and time lapses and stuff. So they're constantly just moving the the plot line forward. They're not wasting a whole lot of our time here, which I appreciate. The episode feels a lot longer than it is, but in a good way, it feels like they're fitting way more into it than they actually are. So yeah, I guess that's really it. That's my thoughts on the episode. Just a great one. Liked it more than I thought I would on the rewatch. Again, I get why some people wouldn't like this one as much, but for me, it just hits me in the right spot. So yeah, that's it for me. Thank you for listening. Thanks for hanging out, talking about the teens with me. If you like what I do, if you appreciate the show, supporting the show over on patreon.com slash dancingisforbidden helps out a lot. Otherwise, just sharing the show, talking about the show, liking my stuff on social media, it all helps out. It all moves things forward. If you would like to reach out to me and let me know your thoughts on this episode of Aqua Teen, please do. Please check the show notes below, all sorts of links to contact me. I'd love to hear what you have to say about it. Otherwise, thanks to our Patreon supporters. Thank you, Sean, Ian, Josh, Keenan, Hope to Dope, and Captain Buford. Appreciate you guys. You can join my trivia team any day. I'll see you all next week when we talk about Season 2, Episode 11, Universal Remonster. Bye-bye. Heyo, this is Ronnie here coming at you, I mean obviously, with a big blunder that I made. So this episode actually has a commentary track, and in my excitement to talk about it, in my knowledge that there would be a lot to talk about, I didn't think to check for that. So I just went back and listened to it, took some notes. Luckily, there's not a whole lot that they say that's particularly useful to this specific episode. It's really just a lot of talk about designing the characters in general. So obviously, you know, that could be talked about at any point. In that commentary, though, we have Dave Willis, Matthew Jenkins, who is a character designer on the show, C. Martin Croker, and Bob Pettit, who obviously does backgrounds and props. Something interesting here is that Bob Pettit mentions that the backgrounds are meant to kind of be like a straight man to the wacky, zany-looking characters, which I find interesting. You know, like this bar background isn't particularly interesting as an example. It just looks like a bar background, you know? But... Juxtapose juxtaposed with the Aqua Teens that are these crazy food products, it really just elevates the show a lot, I think. And it's not something that I ever actively thought about, I don't think, but I really do appreciate it. Otherwise, the beer red spud is not real, obviously. They said in the commentary, though, but I mean, like I said in the episode, I couldn't find anything about it. A lot of the posters on the wall are just paintings that Bob Pettit did previously. He just kind of threw some stuff in there to fill out the scene. Nothing important. And then there's a picture of Bob and his friend at the Super Bowl. So there's a picture behind Ned Hastings of two guys in front of a stadium. That is Bob Pettit and one of his friends named Tom at a Super Bowl. I'm not sure which Super Bowl, but, you know, they were there. Maybe some sports hunks out there will know which stadium that is and can piece together which Super Bowl that was. If you do, please let me know. Something interesting that Bob mentioned is that he would get irritated when people assume all the backgrounds are from Hanna-Barbera cartoons. Not all of them are. Some of them are, especially in the first season. But, you know, he does a lot of work on these backgrounds that are original to the show, so I understand him getting annoyed by it. Otherwise, in the commentary, they point out that one of the jerseys is for the basketball player, Bob Pettit. I'm kind of glad I found it out on my own. It was more exciting that way than just hearing it on a commentary, but they did confirm it. I mean, obviously, we assumed that was why Bob Pettit added that, because it was his name. Otherwise, Dave Willis says that both Jay Edwards and Ned Hastings brainstormed a lot for the questions and the answers used in the episode. And the 1066 that we talked about, I was correct. That was for the Battle of Hastings. And then the last thing I really want to mention here is that Dave Willis had this to say. I initially had an idea for a short film that was called Ultimate Golden Trivia Unit Patrol Squad. So the obvious thing here is that years later, in 2011, Aqua Teen would be renamed Aqua Unit Patrol Squad 1. So Dave already had this Unit Patrol Squad thing flown around in his head as far back as 2003. And then the funny thing about that, too, is that Dave says that him and Jay Edwards once played trivia under that name, the ultimate golden trivia unit patrol squad. So really silly. Some fun guys going to bars, doing some trivia. So and that's, you know, an example of this episode kind of coming from their real life in a way, which we've talked about before on the podcast. So, yeah, that's it. Uh, Sorry again for my negligence here. I would just go back and work these ideas into the episode itself, but I'm really happy with how it turned out. So I was like, yeah, I'll just tack them on on the end. Luckily, like I said, there isn't a whole lot in the commentary specific to this episode. So I didn't miss out on a ton of stuff and really anything worth talking about right now. I mentioned here again. It's just a lot of general character talk on how they design the characters. We get some talk on the background in the intro of the show, which I can bring up really at any point. So yeah, sorry about that, but here's the information that I felt was useful. Hey, have a great week, all right?